Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, good afternoon, and welcome to Funny Like a Con Podcast. I am your host, Dennis Worth. This is episode 32, July 13th, 2019. We are here to discuss comedian, legend, and a guy just who's done everything in comedy, Steve Martin. Uh, i got to let you know, as always, Funny Like a Clown is brought to you by G Vegas Buffalo Sauce. For the spicy, sweet, savory taste of game time, there is only one G Vegas available at www.gvegas.webs.com. And I think it's next weekend we got the big G Vegas barbecue contest coming up in Gardner, Massachusetts, home of G Vegas. So you're going to want to check that out online. Go to the website, all kinds of good stuff. But uh, to discuss Steve Martin, we have a New Hampshire comedian on the phone, Bob Sheehy. Bob, welcome to the show. Good afternoon. Thank you so much, Dennis. Uh, glad to be here. 32nd episode. That's pretty good. I'm pretty impressed by See that. that. We're rolling right along here at Fun Lake Clown. How's things treating you, New Hampshire? Uh, I think they're good. You know, I could always be working more. And uh, But other than that, everything's good. It's nice, though. It's a good hot weather. I was in the pool, so life is... Uh, Life could be a lot worse, sir. That's right. Hey, we got the good weather. We got the pool. We got everything. But what makes you such a big fan of Steve Martin? Well, you know, when I was young... Uh, he was the first stand-up that I encountered. You know, his Let's Get Small album came out, I don't know, I was 9 or 10. And my brother and I listened to it, and boy, did we laugh and laugh and laugh. And, you know, of course, then we started mimicking it. And uh, then and he really took off after that, because after that, he came out with his second album, which, of course, had been cut on it. He started going on Saturday Night Live all the time, which I was just the right age to really enjoy the beginning of Saturday, Saturday Night Live. So, uh... I don't know. He just really he, he tickled my funny bone, I guess you could say. So was he one of the guys who inspired you to want to try comedy? Oh, absolutely. No question. Hands down. 100%. All right. Now, this guy's had a long and legendary career. I mean, just decades. But, I mean, out of all his work, do you have a favorite, either album or movie? Or what's the favorite thing of his he's done? Yeah, I would say, I mean, The Jerk was truly a fantastic All-time classic, Absolutely. But uh, let's get small where it all started is still for me. For you personally, one. that's where, right. I, yeah, I understand yeah. that. Um, let's see. Well, he came to notice as a writer for the uh, Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour. Do you remember the Smothers yeah. Brothers? I do. I vaguely. I mean, it's a little before my time, but I do remember seeing some of it in reruns. And it was very, very well done. Very clever. Yeah, and you know, it's for, for nowadays, it's a tame show. But back then, for what was allowed on TV, it was a very edgy show. They ended up taking it off, you know... Too risque. It was yeah. too risque for the time, and where Steve was one of the writers, I mean, he was writing some of the stuff, you know, that, that was the risque stuff, but, uh... From what I understand, his girlfriend got him the job as a writer on the Smothers Brothers, and I've been searching my whole life for a girl who would get me a job on a TV show. <laughs> get you a connection like that, right? Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, we just haven't found the right girl yet, Bob, you know? But, um... Let's see, later on he went to be a freaking guest on The Tonight Show, and this was during the Carson years. It's not like today where, you know, a lot more comics are getting on television. Back then, if you were on The Tonight Show, you were a made comic. That was it, you know? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Your, your career was done. You were made. I mean, you were a made man at that point. Uh, 
In the 1970s, he performed for uh, Packed Houses on a National Comedy Tour. Uh, in the 80s, he branched away from comedy, started doing movies. Uh, he was also a successful author, playwright, pianist, and banjo player. Now, do you remember a lot playing banjo? Because he did that from a really young age, and he took that very oh, yeah, seriously. Did, that first album he was playing the banjo on. Um, what I find amazing, though, when I started, you know, in order to prepare for this a little bit, I read up a little bit, and I was just shocked at how many movies he had written. Just oh, 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 very established. He didn't just stick to comedy. He branched out into a lot of different, I mean, piano, I mean, playwright, author. Uh, I think just, he wrote Pennies from Heaven, too. Like, Pennies from Heaven, right? Heaven. You know, I remember him playing the banjo. Remember the old Muppet movie there where he was sitting there playing the banjo on there? As a kid, that's where I remember it from. But he, he was on Comedy Central, and it's like the, he'd only get on if they wouldn't talk about his comedy, if they'd just talk about banjo, and that's all that they, you know, the whole episode, they never mentioned his comedy. It was just about him playing banjo and the bluegrass, you know. Right. I remember what uh, Andy Kaufman did that. He wanted the Tonight Show wanted him, and you couldn't get him. But there was the other character that he did that yeah, he dressed yeah, as Cliff, yeah, Clifton, whatever, and you could get him. That was the way to get around it to get him was to book his alter ego there. But, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, Steve. It's funny. I was reading his quote. He said, "Listen, I never announced I was quitting comedy. I just kind of stopped doing it." And. Uh, it's like 30 years he went without doing stand-up. Yeah, long stretch. But, you know, you want to branch out. You want to try other things. You don't want to do the same thing for the rest of your life. It gets boring after a while, you know. And then you start to miss it, though, after you haven't done it for so long, you know. Sure, sure. And Listen. if you get the kind of talent he clearly has, you know, you want to be able to, uh, you want to be able to show the world, I would imagine. Because he's been, he's been, uh, Pretty successful in the music world. He's won, what, what do they call him, Grammys? Grammys, or, oh yeah, not just in comedy, but also in music, yeah. That's very impressive as far and, as I'm uh, Yeah, Grammys and American Music Awards he's earned. Um, let's yeah. see, Comedy Central had him as the sixth top comic out of 100 comics. Would you put him that high or where? Yeah, I'd put him, I think I'd have him in my top five, quite frankly. Them. I mean, yeah, I, you'd have to put him in with the Priors and the Carlins, you know. I mean, I think he's right there in, in that conversation with him. I mean. Yeah, he sure is. And I would have, you know, it, it's tragic how it ended, but I would have Bill Cosby in that group. Cosby, sure. Um, Who didn't listen to his albums coming up? I mean, these are all the guys we grew up with, you know. Right. Rodney right. Dangerfield, you know, I mean. Oh, yeah, you know, how could you forget Rodney Dangerfield? Yeah, I mean, yeah, Carlin Pryor, Dangerfield, Martin, these are the guys, I mean. Yeah, yeah, so I probably have 15 or 20 comics in the top five. <laughs> yeah, sure, but let's see, in the uh, 2000s, he was solely working as a musician touring with bluegrass acts, uh, including uh, Earl Scruggs, and as you said, in 2002, he won a uh, Grammy for his best instrumental performance, and it wasn't comedy. 2009, he put out his first solo album, The Crow, and he won an album for Best Bluegrass Album that year in 2009. So he's winning Grammys in comedy, Grammys in music. I mean, what is this guy not done here? Acting? I mean. There's nothing apparently he can't do. He's a tremendous straight up, a tremendous comedic actor. He can sing, he can dance, he can play music. That's you know, when a, you're well rounded, I guess, when you're versatile and everything. One trick pony myself. I don't know how he finds it. Well, this is how he got started. His first job ever was working at Disney World selling guidebooks. And uh, he, he frequented the magic shop there at Disneyland while he was working, you know, when he had a break or something. 
and he'd learn magic tricks and stuff, and he'd start performing the tricks for the patrons as he was selling these guidebooks. Really? And, uh, yeah, from, from there he, uh, he practiced magic and juggling he added and balloon sculpturing, and then he started performing as a street performer for tips, and that was how it all got started for him, by working at Disneyland as a tour boy. Who, who knew that, right? Right, I, I had no idea. I do remember him juggling cats at one point, so that was... Uh, the cat juggler. Kind of how, how did it get started for you in comedy? I mean, what made you want to start? What, what got you over the edge? I'll be honest with you. I went out with some friends, and I saw some, some comics. It was an open mic night, which turns out I didn't know what that meant, of course. I, was, I didn't know anything. But I saw these guys doing it. I thought, my God, I'm so much funnier than them. And, uh, you know, your ego gets into it. So I decided... You know, I went up to the guy who was working for me, back next week, give it five minutes. So I, and as soon as I did, I had a rare comic who did really well. Um, you know, it shows three to 19 that were tough, but the first two went really well. Yeah. And uh, I caught the bug. Oh, yeah, once you do it, you keep, you're itching to get back up there. It's such a rush being up there on stage, you, you can't wait to get back. Of Let's... course, by my fifth or sixth show when I was out there, Dying, I was, I was sort of rethinking it, but yeah, you, know, right. you got to get over that hump, yeah, where you where you're learning to, you, you got a little bit of good stuff to fall back on, then you can lead on from there. But uh, yeah, let's but, see. You know, yeah, you know, it's, it's a process. It takes a long time. Oh yeah, and I mean, certainly Steve Martin, he's had the, the decades of success, so you can only envy a guy like that. Well, as we mentioned, his big break was on the Smothers Brothers in the uh, '70s. He made appearances on the Tonight Show with Carson, Saturday Night Live. The Gong Show and the Muppet Show. And, you um, know the Gong Show? I don't remember you remember the Gong, Gong Show? show. <laughs> what uh, do you remember about that? I don't remember him on the Gong Show. Was he, I don't remember him being there But I mean the I show in general. Show. What, do you, what do you remember about the Gong Show? Oh, I love it. Like Chuck Woolery coming out and dancing around, and then somebody would be up there singing or telling jokes or whatever, and, and uh, Jamie, uh, was it Jamie Farr would get up and gong them, and <laughs> They either gong you the way they liked you, they didn't. You got gonged or yeah. you got the finish. That was the thing. But uh, and sometimes, like if, if one of them, like Jamie Farr, didn't like a guy, then someone else would gong them. Or if Jamie Farr really liked the guy, someone gonged him. Yeah, I really liked him. So the next time he would gong somebody, that person would, like just get back at them. That was well, they had times too. They were fighting. Like if somebody go to gong them and they'd get up and try to stop them, they'd be fighting over the gong whether they could hit it or not. You know? Yeah, that was a great show. Yeah, well, I missed I that know, show. Like, but uh, let's see, he hosted uh, 27 episodes of, uh, he was on 27 episodes of Saturday Night Live. He hosted 15 of them, and that's only second all-time to Alec Baldwin, so. Yeah, and he just recently passed that, right? Like this year or last year? I think so, yeah, with his Donald Trump stuff that he was doing hosting. Yeah, because um, yeah, Steve Martin, was the, he was the best host, in my opinion, of Saturday Night Live ever. I mean, when, when he was hosted, I watched. You watched. I Oh, watched. yeah. He was with the originals when the show was edgy and funny. I know it's a shell of what it, what it was back in the day with the, the Belushis and the Priors were on there and Chevy right. Chases. I mean, that, that was the time, and he was in with those guys for sure. I'll tell you, my favorite moment was with him. He came out in the air how he would be in those immaculate white suits, and his hair was perfectly coiffed, coiffed however you say that word. All, all blow-dried perfect, right? Yeah, he looked like a million bucks, and he had a champagne glass in his hand, and he looked out at the crowd, and he took a little sip of the champagne, and then he just turned and spit the champagne on the floor, which well. absolutely made no sense, but it made me laugh. But it made you laugh, just the simple stuff yeah. like that, it was it was timeless yeah. comedy. Uh, let's see, um, 
So, uh, his TV appearances led to platinum albums. In 1978, he came out with Wild and Crazy Guy. And he later went on to use that with Dan Aykroyd in a Saturday Night Live skit of uh, there were two guys from the Czech Republic. Uh, oh, yeah, they were two playboys. Your gay, and I think it's the other guy's name, but yeah. Uh, we are two wild and crazy guys. <laughs> <laughs> Who wasn't mimicking that back? We all were saying that back in the day, but uh, and, oh, and yeah, absolutely. As you mentioned, that album ended with uh, King Tut, which he released as a single and it went on to number seventeen at the charts. But I mean, wild and crazy gang. Yeah, seventeen is a musical hit. I know it was done as a comedy thing, and everybody was singing it and went on to do that. You know. You couldn't turn the radio on without hearing it for a time. I remember that summer, whatever, 78, 79, whatever yeah, that was. It that was, was an all-time classic, sure. And the skit on Saturday Night Live just blew it up even more. It became even bigger, you know? Right. So let's see. Somebody, uh, somebody told me that every time Steve Martin hosted Saturday Night Live, that he was called by like a billion people. Really? I can believe Something that. Like I mean, that, yeah. he's, he's one of those draws. He's one of those acts you have to see, you know? It was like... Yeah. It's like Star Wars, you know, even if somebody told you it was bad, you wouldn't care. You're going to go see it anyway because it's Star yeah, Wars, you know, it don't matter. You have to see it, you know. Yep. But he started his acting career with uh, an actual short film. His first one he did, The Absent-Minded Waiter, was only a seven-minute film, and it got nominated for an Academy Award. You ever done any short films? I have done some short films, yes. All right. And, uh... Well, what's your impression on them? Is that a good way to get started, do you think, before you start doing major films? Well, uh, the thing is, you only have a short time to really do something. To show your you genius, you know I mean? right, right, good you're point. If you yeah. film, you can make a statement, you can, you can create, you can sort of develop a character and draw people in. In a short film, you don't have that kind of time, you got to hit them. Yeah, right, right off the bat. But I mean, yeah. it prepares you. It prepares you to go on because I know you were in Celtic Pride, a, ma a major. I mean, you had a small role, but that was a major movie where, like you said, a short. You just got to be quick. It's boom. You yeah. ain't getting much time at all. Uh, let's see. I mean, obviously, we mentioned he went on to do The Jerk, which grossed over a hundred million dollars with a budget yeah, of only. 1980, something like that. Yeah, with a, a budget of, of only four million. Can you imagine that making a hundred million dollar movie with a budget of four million dollars? You don't I see that stuff crazy. nowadays, do you? You know what I remember about that movie, too? Before I saw it, my parents used to watch Siskel and Ebert. Yeah. And they both got on there and panned that movie and said how stupid it was and sophomoric and childish and really? awful. And then my brother and I went to see it. I didn't even know if we were old enough, but we stuck in it and saw it. And boy, did we laugh and laugh. I mean, we cried we laughed so hard. Well, didn't they, they'd always, like, if they were wrong about a movie, they'd go back and, like, re-review it and try to act smart, like, you know, oh, yeah, you know... We called it stupid to begin with, but now we like it. Now it's popular, you like it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I used to watch them when I got older and would see, would see their thumbs up, thumbs down. I would I would determine that if they said thumbs down, it was worth thinking, and vice versa. But, I mean, I was in a time where nobody was offended, where everybody's offended nowadays. I mean, half the stuff he did in The Jerk, you couldn't even do nowadays without people getting offended and losing their minds, you know? Oh, of course. Oh, I'm going to stay this color, you mean? I mean, you couldn't get away right. with that nowadays. I was born a poor black child. The boy, that was the opening line. The yeah, movie. right, yeah. Put that in a movie nowadays, see what happens, right? I mean, yeah. that was the genius of it, though, you know? People weren't offended yeah. back then. We could take a joke here, but, uh... Well, let's see. When Arnie did Roxanne, do you remember the movie Roxanne? Oh, sure. I saw Roxanne. That was Cyrano de Bergerac. 
Well, you had the, the, yeah. the big nose there, right? Yeah, and they did way yeah. off on uh, <laughs> the, the best insults for a guy with a big nose. I remember that about the movie. Um, he did uh, Bowfinger with Eddie Murphy. Did you see that movie? I did see it. I did, I did like it. I love both of them, and I thought it was a terrible movie. Really? No, I didn't see that one. And like you, I love both of them, but it was just one I happened to miss. But I always wanted to get back to it, just haven't yet. Well, here's an all-time classic, The Three Amigos. You remember them in that one? Oh, sure. With Martin Short and... Uh... Chevy Chase. Yes, Chevy Chase. Yes. Chevy Chase. Yes. Well, you know, my hero, the guy I got involved with comedy because of Sam Kennison, he was actually in that movie, and they cut his, his scenes out. Chevy Chase cut him out because he had stole oh, the no. movie from Rodney back to school, and Chevy didn't want him stealing the movie. <coughs> so little yeah, known I've... fact, Sam Kennison was in The Three Amigos, but Chevy Chase deleted his scenes. Yeah, I've, I've heard that, that Chevy Chase was a little insecure. Yeah. That's why he, he left that first cast of uh, Saturday Night Live, from what I understand. Really? He was, he was insecure. I and mean, that's what, yeah, I don't know. I don't know the man. I didn't work with him. But right, right. You hear the rumors on the comedy trail. We've all heard them, for sure. Right. Well, here's another one. You have Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. You remember that one? Oh, John Candy, that's a classic. That's an all-time classic. <laughs> right there. Uh, two geniuses at work. Uh, Father of the Bride. Have you watched any of those recently? Yeah, that's uh, the best. They're, they're, they're not really... I mean, there are some funny moments, but I wouldn't classify them as comedy movies. No, it was more, he was more portraying, like, the parent in that one, where it was a different, yeah. you know, he wasn't the main character anymore, you know, where, you know, when he was younger, he was one of the main guys, but, uh... Right. Let's but see. He, he did a great job, and that really... As the father, I mean, it was more, movie. yeah, a serious role, as you said, not really a comedy, but, I mean, I thought it was a good movie as a serious role, you know? Absolutely. No, he showed his, you know, his acting chops there, for sure. Sure. Uh, the Pink Panther. Do you remember that one? I, you know, I, I never saw her with Steve Martin. I saw it with, um, oh God, Peter Peter Sellers. Peter Sellers, right? Yeah, right. I then. never saw the remake. He redid it years later. I have a thing against remakes. I don't know what it is. I don't like to go to remakes. Yeah, they're doing that because they need something that's going to draw the people in. They don't want to take risks because movies are costing so much money. Nobody wants to risk a new movie. They want to, you know, right, go with the old stuff the that'll bring somewhat of a draw. They know, you know. Yeah. But, I mean, as a kid, I mean, the Muppet movie, do you remember him on that one? I mean, that was probably the youngest I remember him from, anyway. Yeah, of course I remember the Muppet he movie. Was, yeah, he was the villain in the Muppet movie, if I remember yeah. correct, right? Yeah, okay. No. Uh, let's see. Well, nowadays he's on a, um, a national comeback tour with uh, uh, Martin Shore. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't call it a comeback tour, because in my mind, he never left. He could have picked up any time he wanted, you know? Well, like you said, he took a, uh, what, if it was, I think, a 25-year absence from uh, from comedy before he came back around and did it again. Yeah, well, and he started, which I, I, have all the, I have all the admiration in the world for him, because when he decided to do stand-up again, he didn't go out and sell tickets and cash it on his name or, or, or make a big to-do about it. He went and opened up for Jerry Seinfeld, who, by the way, is also in my top five. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I met Jerry briefly. He was a cool cat, I gotta tell you. I was doing a show down at the Gotham in New York City, and I was on the late show, he was on the early show. We passed each other in the green room. I had no idea. I'm looking at my phone, I look up, and I'm standing next to Jerry Seinfeld and Jim Gaffigan. I'm like, okay. Oh, my God. Was... I'm a guy in my top five, Jim Gaffigan. So what's that, about 18? He, he was actually, Jim was a prick. Jerry was so cool, and Jim was being such a prick, I'll tell you. But a young kid oh, really? went... A young kid went to shake Jerry's hand on the way down the stairs, and he must have caught him out of the corner of his eye. 
Jerry got to the bottom of the stairs, turned around, walked right back up the stairs just to shake that young kid's hand. I'm like, that's well, cool right there. That's how you do it. Don't forget where you come from. And Gaffer, yeah, he was freaking out. He's like, I'm getting recognized. I got to get out of here. I'm getting recognized. I got to get out of here. Boom, he goes darting through <laughs> out the door. I'm like, wow, what a prick, man. I bet the young comic would be thrilled to get recognized, you know, but not him. All right, we got a few fan questions. You want to take a few fan questions? Sure. All right, I'll tell you what the fans got to say, and you just give me your opinion on them, okay? Okay. Uh, Brian Keith writes in, The Great Flydini. I don't, I don't have a comment. I never saw it. I don't. The Great oh, Flight. Hold on. Is that, was that his character in the, in the jerk? I think, yeah, when the circus, when he was working for the yeah, circus there, the Great Flight Dini. Fantastic. When he sit there and he goes, oh, it's a prophet thing. <laughs> right. I remember what the lady was asking, what can I win? He's like, nothing on the top yeah. shelf, nothing on the bottom shelf, nothing on the leg. It was like a one-inch thing. You could win something. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Katrina Brown writes in his poster on my closet door when I was about ten years old. Now, who who are the guys you had posters of when you were a teenager? What what filled your room as a teenager? Oh, I had all Boston Celtics stuff, and uh, yeah, I was a big. Me too. Celtic I still do. <laughs> I'm a big Celtic fan myself, but uh, yeah. So you were more the sports guy back in the day, right? Yeah, absolutely. No question. All right. Uh, Mike Murray I writes in. Oh, I had the Heather Thomas one there where she was in the pink bikini from the Fall Guy. Who didn't like her? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. But, uh, Mike Murray writes in his famous quote, Be so good they can't ignore you. Yes. I, I, he, he's absolutely right. I think he said something to the effect of, if, if you're good enough, the spotlight will find you. You don't have to look for it. And we both know we're on the Boston comedy scene. It's tough to find work, you know. They don't, I mean... And, you know, I guess yeah. you, you have to be so good they can't ignore you anymore. These big clubs, they don't want to let you in. they got the little circle of comics they use, and if you want to break that yeah. circle, you got to give them a reason, you know. You don't just show up at the door. you gotta, you got to make your way in the business, you know. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's One see. A uh, buddy of ours, Ralphie Joyle, writes in, Those aren't pillows. Those aren't pillows! <laughs> Our plane trains and armor, that's what? so funny. They're laying together. They switch your arm. Then they woke up, right? Then they're trying to act like tough guys like it didn't happen. How about those bears? They got a good football team, right? They're trying to act like men. Like, that didn't just happen, man. Let's forget about it, you know? Classic scene right there. Uh, Not really. Yeah, that's one for the agent. All right, let's see. Uh, Cal Verducci writes in, uh, him cursing out the lady at the counter in planes, trains, and automobiles. Do you remember that one? Oh. Yes, I sure do. Oh, well, he was losing his, uh, I don't know if I can swear, but he was losing his mind. You, you can really swear on a podcast, yeah. <laughs> it was something to the effect, I don't like how your fucking company left me in the middle of fucking nowhere with the keys to a fucking car that wasn't fucking there. <laughs> he just went off, like, in this tirade. Oh. <laughs> then at the end, he's like, so what does that mean? And she's back to him, you're fucked, buddy. It was like she didn't take it. <laughs> Classic scene we all remembered right there. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Robin uh, Elver writes in, he hates these cans. He hates these cans. Remember? <laughs> well, in fact, a friend of mine, I used to say that. Uh, that was the big thing. Like, I'd come in and say, oh, uh, I don't know. I, I, I just found a parking space outside. Oh, things are going to start happening to you now. 
Because if you remember, that's where it all started. He, he he moves into that gas station, like he rents the bathroom of the gas right, station. Right, right, yeah. And then he gets his name in the phone book, and he says, <laughs> things are going to start happening to me now. <laughs> it so was. He got to choose his name out of the phone book and just decides to kill him, so he starts <laughs> shooting at him. It was oil cans and soda cans. He he thought the guy was everything. Oh, he's after the cans, not me. But it was. <laughs> he goes and hides behind the vending machine. Goes, oh my God, more cans! That's the simple genius. You don't see simple stuff like that anymore. Everybody's trying no, to be really the works. edgy thinking man's oh, yeah. comic, and just the simple stuff I loved back then. All right, all right. You ready for some trivia? We end every show with trivia. All right, let's see how I do. All right, I'm going to ask you three questions about Steve Martin, and I'll tell you right, nobody does good on trivia, but it, it gets facts out there about him, and uh, nobody's ever gone three for three. A couple people go, have gone two for three. Most people go one for three, and a lot of people go oh for three, but if you do go three for three, Bob, we ship you out a bottle of our sponsor, G Vegas Buffalo Sauce. Do you like buffalo sauce? Yes, of course. All right, so like let's, let's see if we can win you some buffalo sauce with the trivia. All right. What town in Texas was Steve Martin born in? Waco. Waco, Texas. You are one for one. All right. Uh, I'll give you a hint on this. We already said um, the gong show, and it was not that. So, But what popular game show did he appear on in 1967 before he was famous? The dating game? The dating game. You are two for two, sir. Look out. Wow. Oh, look at that. You are flipping rolling. Okay, let's see. <laughs> All right. Uh, back in the day, he was a guest on this then-famous female comics uh, show. She was one of the biggest female comics of the time. What female comics uh, show was he a guest on? Oh, boy, that's a tough one. Cause, I mean, who had a show that was a female? There you Joan go. you got to think of the time, Mary. There I'm, weren't I'm, many. I'm, I'm going to go with Joan Rivers. Close, Carol Burnett. He was on the Carol Burnett Carol show. Burnett. Damn it! Uh, you almost I, went three for three. You had me nervous there for a second. Let me tell you. <laughs> All right, Bob. I want to thank you for being on Funny Like a Clown podcast. But before you go, being a fan of Steve Martin's, what would you want the other fans to know about him? What would you want them to research about him? What would you want them to figure out about this guy? I would want them to know that even though he was a stand-up. He never took it too seriously, and I think that's important because I think what happens a lot of the people who become stand-up comics, they start being becoming too analytical and, and viewing it as a science. And he never did that. He was a philosophy major in college. Yes, he was. And basically, he 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 determined that uh, there were no set rules, and that's why he decided to come up with this absurdist is what he called it, absurdist comedy. So I, I would I would I would encourage them to look at his early stuff. I really would. The early stuff. Is Brilliant. Good advice. Yeah, brilliant. Never take yourself too seriously. I think he made an art of never taking anything too serious, you know? Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, good luck on the comedy scene, Bob, and I hope to catch up with you soon. Thank you for being on Funny Like a Clown podcast. All right. Thanks, Dennis. I appreciate it. All right. Take talk care. to you soon. Bye-bye. All right. Comedian Bob Sheehy right there on Steve Martin, one of the all-time legends of comedy. And, uh... You know, they put him on number six. I put him in the number t top five. He's in the Godfathers. He's right there with the Carlins, the Priors, and then the Bill Cosbys, and the Steve Martins, and the Rodney Dangerfields. Those are the guys, you know, we look at our generation. We look at those of the legends that gave, you know, the comics we listen to today, you know, 
they gave them their break, and those are the ones you look up to as the ones who paved the way for what we do today on the comedy scene. Thank you for listening to the Funny Like a Clown podcast. Steve Martin, check out his movies, uh, The Jerk. If you were going to see one movie, I'd recommend The Jerk. That was the all-time classic. And some movies just live on forever, and like Star Wars. I don't care how many times there's a Star Wars marathon on, I can watch it and still enjoy it just as much the 50th time as the first time. Well... Steve Martin put out some work where you can listen to him a hundred times and you're still going to laugh. You know the joke's coming and you're still going to laugh at it because it's that funny. We will catch you next time on Fun Like a Clown Podcast. Until then, keep laughing, folks, because laughter is the best medicine. I'm Dennis Worth. Good night. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.